Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. another episode of Resilient Minds 365. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Well, guys, we have a wonderful guest with us today. We have Deborah LeBlanc with us. Who is Deborah LeBlanc? Well, Deborah LeBlanc, hailing from Lafayette, Louisiana, is a certified clinical hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner, therapeutic imagery master, and MER practitioner. With a transformative approach, she helps individuals and corporations overcome limiting beliefs, enabling success and joy in their lives. A renowned international speaker, Deborah is also an active paranormal investigator for over 30 years. Formerly an executive in the oil and, the, and gas industries, she founded and grew a, a pioneering fuel logistics company. Passionate about making a positive impact, Deborah founded Literacy Inc. and authored 16 best-selling novels. Her message of hope and commitment to turning it into reality resonates worldwide. You can learn more about Deborah and all of her endeavors at mindpaththerapies.com. With that said, I now present to you Deborah LeBlanc. Deborah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Cleone. That's the problem with being as old as I am. Your bio gets to be too long. It's, it's, I'm an old broad. It just adds up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, so Deborah, can you tell us a little bit about, more about your profession? What is it that you do? And how did you get started? Oh, my word. Um, the, the journey to getting here, I, I am a certified clinical hypnotherapist. And there's a difference between a hypnotist, a hypnotherapist, and a clinical hypnotherapist. A clinical hypnotherapist has a lot more training typically with a bachelor's in mind-body psychology. Um, I spent 2,400 clinical hours. So what I take what I do very seriously. Um, it's a lot of people still have misconceptions about what hypnotherapy is. They have a vision of this pendulum swinging and you know somebody making you quack like a duck. I promise I have never made anyone quack like a duck, but... <laughs> The reason I got involved with it, I was I was in corporate America for a long time. I got there um, uh, through trial and error. Um, I came from an abusive background. Um, I was raised by a single mom uh, from about eight years old till 16. Um, my parents split up. My mother was verbally and physically abusive. And I took, I being the oldest, I have a brother, I had a brother, he's passed, bless his soul, and, and um, in the last couple of years, and my baby sister, um, I would protect them from her outburst. So I was her beating post. 
I'm and in Louisiana, um, unless it's January, late January, February, you might get around 40 degrees, 30 degrees. But other than that, it's hot and a lot of humidity. I went to school, even with all of that, with long sleeve shirts and pants because I didn't want my, my bruises to show. My mother didn't hit with her hands. She used things like broomsticks, um, you know, hair, the back of a hairbrush, whatever she could get her hands on. And she would let her fury out like that. Um, I got married at 16, had my first child at 18. And it wasn't until, I mean, I started catching on probably about 17, 18 years old that I had married the male version of my mother. Mm. He wasn't physically abusive. He wasn't, but verbally, emotionally abusive. Well, I'm Cajun. Of course, I was born and raised Catholic. So you have guilt, guilt, family, family. That's all that matters. You did it. You married. You're stuck. I had two other children, two other daughters, and finally realized, you know, I've got to do something with my education because this man could not hold a job. And I did not want to be on welfare like I'd grown up. You know, I, I was back in those welfare days. They had the food stamps that were made out of paper. You know, there were different colors for different denominations. They didn't they didn't look like a credit card, you know, like they do today. Uh, I didn't want that for my children. I wanted to give them every opportunity life had to offer. So went back to school, got my bachelor's in marketing, did get a job in the oil field industry in transportation. Within a short period of time, I became the first female executive vice president of transportation in the U.S. I was with the company for 12 years, left the company to form my own fuel logistics company, which didn't exist anywhere in the world. I didn't even have a benchmark to work with, but I understood fuel. I understood the transportation of fuel and understood how retailers were being taken advantage of. So I put together a team of IT people because all I knew about computers was how to turn it on. I put a team of IT people together, told them what I wanted, and I was able to create a program that could tell through by throughput what um, say what a pump would pump out per hour when that tank would need the next load of fuel up to two weeks in advance. Hmm. So that that business ran for 25 years. I had a wonderful group of people working for me. Um, and then lightning struck. I lost a three my a three-year-old granddaughter um, to it, it's it's similar to SIDS, but it affects children three to five years old. And um her mother called me, which was my youngest daughter, called me hysterical. I couldn't even understand what she said over the phone, but I heard the name Amelia, and which was my grandbaby's name. And I just took off for the house, her house, which was not far. And I walked in and I saw this baby laying on a pillow on the living room rug. And her mother was hysterical. And I said, did you call an ambulance? I, I, I was, I, and this is the type of person I am. When there's a crisis, I'll act. 
and then fall apart later. Okay. So I'm getting to this baby and I see she's not breathing. Her lips are blue. Her little fingertips were already turning dark. I tried mouth to mouth. I did fingertip compressions, told my daughter to recall the ambulance because she said she'd call them 40 minutes ago. I said, it's unacceptable. And I'll tell you the cruelest joke that I think the the universe or as a whole has is when you're giving mouth to mouth to an infant and you see their right their little chest rise and fall with your breath there's a flicker that maybe they're doing it on their own right. until you stop breathing for them well of course she was pronounced dead at the hospital and that destroyed it it, it I, 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 it's like my soul was ripped in two. Mm-hmm. Four months later, her mother died in a fiery car crash. My goodness. She lost control of a vehicle into the side of a building and the vehicle burst into flames. I didn't even get to see her in a casket. Of course, it was closed casket. A year later, I lost my middle daughter to alcoholism we she had been in rehab twice was doing really great the second go round, and then her sponsor committed suicide when that happened she nosedived my my oldest daughter and i would take turns every day making sure she was on track she was doing okay and we could see her spiraling down and it just happened one day. I, it was my oldest daughter's turn. She said, "Mom, I'm taking um, I'm taking her to the hospital. The, the ambulance is picking her up. She was unconscious. Well, she never woke up. She never woke up. So, um, a year following that, I lost my father. A year after that, my younger brother." Now that's all within a five-year period of time. Wow. I stopped and and I just stopped and and looked at my life and I said, um, I, I was in major depression. I was clinically depressed. I did attempt suicide. I went to a hotel. Um, after, this was after my uh, granddaughter and my youngest daughter died. I went to a hotel. I had a bottle of a, f- a freshly refilled bottle of Ambien for three months supply. So that was 90 tablets. I had a 122 milligram tablets of Xanax. And to top it off, I went to the drugstore and bought two boxes of Benadryl because Again, that was an antihistamine. I knew that was going to bring, just make me sleepy. I took everything. I left a note for housekeeping. I left a note for my company, people at my company about what to do to my family. Took everything, had a picture of my baby girls in my hand and a little yellow butterfly that was knitted for me um, and went to sleep. 14 hours later, I woke up and I said, are you kidding me? Okay. Are you kidding? Now, this taking this into mind, 
after all the abuse I went through as a child, at 13, I attempted suicide, taking every prescribed medication my mother had. And at count, I was at 400, 400 pills. I again went out, had a doctor who came to the house, gave me a shot of Demerol because he thought it would have something to do with my starting a menstrual cycle. I woke up three days later. I, th I woke up three days later. Well, after the second attempt, I said, okay, all right. It's, God does not want me now. This is not time for you to go home. I said, what is the point? What do you work to bring home a paycheck? I was providing for my children. What, 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 what do you want from me? Mm -hmm. And two things came to mind. A dream I had as a child was to, one, to be one of three things. I wanted to be Superman, a nun, or a psychiatrist. Well, by this by this time, I'm well, I knew Superman was out of the question and a nun was out of the question. So I'm looking at psychiatrists and I said, Lord, by the time I got through with school, they're going to be putting a tombstone over my grave. OK, I'll be that old. Mm -hmm. So I looked uh, I was actually at the computer looking for how much fill dirt would it take to cover a mile stretch of road this many feet wide. In that Google search, the first thing that popped up was HMI, the College of um, Hypnotherapy. And I went, what? How are they going to tell, tell me how much gravel I need? I clicked it and was that was it. I My radar went up, my little instinct radar went up, and um, I jumped in it feet first. It came so naturally to me that it was like I had done it before, you know? And I saw the impact and see every day the impact it makes on people's lives. People who've lost hope for so many reasons and sold my company, got out of the business world, sold my company and started Mind Path Therapies. That's how I got to where I am today. Mm. So God, I mean, you know, people that try attempt, and I, I travel around the country, I did for a long time, talking to high school students about suicide. And, you know, the first, there are only about 1% of people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge that survive. And out of that 1% that survive, all of them say the same thing. When they jumped, the problem they were jumping for seemed this small yeah. compared to what was about to happen. Hmm. Now, sometimes, you know, suicide people are, your pain is far greater than anything you can see around you, yeah. you know? But there is a purpose, I believe, for everybody's life. There's a reason why our journey has bumps in the road. Sometimes big divots in the road, you know, sometimes you're on the mountaintop and sometimes you're in the valley and you just keep one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And if we just there to listen, and if I have any way in my training to help somebody be the ears and have a technique that can help them feel hope, that's my life's worth. That's my journey.
So I went through all of that to get here. I truly believe that. Cool. Wow. What a story. What a story. So I guess in regards to your mental health diagnosis, you would call your you would say that you suffered from clinical diag clinical depression and suicidal ideation. Yes. Yes. And um and what year were you diagnosed? Um, I believe it was I don't want to miss let's see, we're 23, maybe 2014. Okay. Okay. I, I believe I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And um I, I spent some time inpatient, of course, because okay. of the suicidal ideation. Um and but when I came to realize what my purpose was, life just changed for me, you know. I did eventually remarry to an absolute perfect man. Um, the perfect for me. We've been together for 14 years. He's the love of my life. And um, I keep telling him he's the life in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, so helping others, loving this man, as, and my daughter still having my oldest daughter is my life. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't complicate it anymore. I don't need... I don't need to have great riches. I don't need to make $10,000 an hour. I don't, I don't need, it's not about stuff. It's about touching other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So would you say your, your, your current profession was, would have, is what helped you to um, go, come back? What am I trying to say? Maybe I'll ask this question. So maybe you can tell us about your mental health story of resilience, what you had to do to overcome and like, and how your current position as a mental health hypnotherapist helped you to get to where you are from where you were as an inpatient and um, dealing with a narcissistic husband and dealing with all that you dealt with. Maybe you can just, Walk us through that journey. Well, as I grew older, I realized I didn't have any um, sense of remorse or regret about not having the typical mother, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I knew I was, I just somehow knew I was supposed to take care of this woman and protect my two siblings. So there, and when she passed away, I mourned her. I did. I cried. Um, I cried because our love wasn't enough to keep her to want, you know, because all she wanted to do was die. That's it. That's all she wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but after the deaths, um, after the first suicide attempt when I was 13, no one ever knew that. My mother never knew. No one knew oh. at what I had done. Mm -hmm. I put all the pills bottles back after I took them all. I didn't want this big movie scene you know where there's bottles all over the place and oh we well, now we had to pump her stomach i didn't want anybody to know so that was a non that was a that was a non-sinker you don't it wasn't known my second attempt um i told my therapist you know um what i'd done and they put me inpatient and you know inpatient just keeps you 
at the facility I was at anyway, really did not do me a lot of good other than keep me secluded right. you know, and safe. Once I got out, um, of course, I realized what I'd done. I realized God wasn't ready for me. Whoever is beyond the great beyond when we close our eyes for the last time, um, it's it was a matter of I needed purpose now. Yes. I needed to find a purpose. And I knew business was so, it felt um, unimportant. It felt, you know, I, yeah, I'm bringing in a paycheck, but to what end? Okay. I was helping my daughters before. Now, who am I? What am I? What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. um, just to run this? No, it, it, it felt wrong in my gut. And when I hooked into uh, hypnotherapy, I felt alive again. I felt alive again. That's the biggest help that it gave me. Um, and I did, um, there was a, there's a form of, it's, it's a methodology sometimes used with hypnotherapists who are also psychologists. It's called EMDR. Oh, okay. I traveled. Yeah, I traveled to Chicago to um, visit a doctor there who did EMDRC, which is being able to you not only connect to the trauma and get past it, but communicate to the ones that are gone. And I wanted to see what this dude was about. So I went and both my husband, my current husband and I were there for two days. And two hours a day, we had EMDR therapy. And my life changed from that day on. It did. It changed. Amazing. I was able to see clearly. My heart was still, my heart still has holes in it. Don't get me wrong, you know, because that time does not heal it. Heal to me means there, you know, it's scabbed and look, nothing's there. It, it reduces the sharpness of it. You know, I can look at pictures of my daughters now, my granddaughter and videos and not just break down and, and feel so tormented. I can smile at the little, cause my granddaughter was also, um, um, Oh, what's the word just flew over right, right over my head. She was on the spectrum. Oh. Um, yeah. So she never spoke a word, but she didn't have to. You could tell by her actions and her eyes, beautiful blue eyes, what, what she wanted, what she needed. And um, autistic, that's what I was looking for. Yes. And um, I still have that longing in my heart but I believe I trust somewhere somehow someday live this lifetime another lifetime whether whatever you whatever that I'll maybe I'll see her again maybe maybe I was so close to that baby and I've got three other grandchildren but this child was so special to me that it ripped my it felt like my soul was being ripped out of my body Yes. When she died. Wow. Wow. So I hope I answered your question. 
you succinctly. Did. Okay, yes. good. Definitely, you did, you did. So my next question to you is, so what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your low points? List all resources that um, were helpful to you. I had to be willing to see a therapist. Okay. Um, and of course, be willing to go into inpatient. Um, be willing to see a therapist. Be willing to uh, to take antidepressants so that it, you know, to try to help me out of this. Um, and that was basically the remedy, you know. And I kept searching for other things. I kept reading about, um, you know, life after death, near death experiences. I would, I would, because I'm an avid reader, and I, I just, and I prayed a lot. I, you know, that's my faith. I just prayed a lot. Sometimes, for me, there's only one place left for you to go when you've turned every direction you know how. It's just falling to your knees, and that's it. You know. And trusting that whether you believe in Buddha, um, Christ, Captain Crunch, I don't, I don't care who, who, just turning to that and just saying, I need help. I need help. I, 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 I'm, I know I'm not in control. Right, right, right. Okay. So my next question for you is, what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? My children back. Yeah. My children back my children back. Those are the three things that I wish more than anything. I would be lying if I said anything else. That's what I wished um, at my lowest point. To me, the only thing that would cure it would be to have that baby holding that little girl in my arms again, seeing my daughter, um, my daughters again. It was, that's all you want. I had all the resources I needed, you yeah. know, outside therapist and blah 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 but really what you want want is that is what you're missing what you lost mm -hmm. okay so if i'm gonna answer that question honestly i'd have to say that your children back okay that makes sense and what words of hope can you give to our listeners what would you tell them for someone who is is struggling with suicide or someone who's been in your position before Anybody that is struggling with thoughts of suicide, trust somebody. If you can, if you can trust anything, trust these words. I understand that the pain sometimes is bigger than any hope or no hope. I understand that that's the size of that pain. But trust the fact that when when you do say somebody uses a gun, which I would never do, I would never leave my family that mess, would have never done that, but uses a gun, you can't take it back. But in that split second, in that split second, you're going to wish with all of your might, soul, heart, mind, body, that you had not done it. Yeah. This is a small blip of time. And there is so much more of life waiting for you. This is a small blip. And sometimes our journeys are rough, but there's a reason for it. There's a reason we go through rough times. You come out the other side 
just breathe deep, take a deep breath and tell yourself, remind yourself, your innate self, I am worthy of being alive. The rest of the garbage that you're hearing, bullying, whether you're getting junk from parents or whatever it may be, those are lies. You were born unique, beautiful, creative, and for a purpose. And just know that that point that you're at right now is just a small blip in time. Take a breath, breathe through it, don't do it. Because when that second flashes, you can't take it back. Yeah. Some of us can't take it back. Right. Love it. Love it. Okay. So now we're going to take a switch into the interview a little bit. Um, and as you can see on, the, on my virtual background, there is a book where it basically says the music of my life. Um, that book is basically about my journey with music therapy and bipolar disorder. So with that, I would like to ask you, what type of music do you like? Oh my gosh. I love all kinds of music. Okay. Really. The, the only thing I can't handle is jazz because it's a, it's a little like in my brain, what happens is the discords in jazz sound like clatter to me. You know, it, it doesn't sound like music. It sounds like musical instruments clanging against each other. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know why that is, but the any kind of music. I love, I love gospel. I love um, country and Western. I love pop. I love rock. I love R&B. Oh, I love R&B. Um, I listen to rap, clean rap. I don't, I don't go for trash rap. Um, I, you know, just anything that'll Cajun music, Zotico music, Ooh. anything that'll get your feet moving. Love it, love it, love it. So, if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, what would it be and why? The song would be "Stand Back Up." Stand back. Um, and it's it's. I heard it the first time. Um, uh, the name of the group. The name of the group escapes me right now. Um, the woman that sang it, dang it. Well, Stand Back Up is basically about life knocking you down, knocking you to your knees, knocking you, you know, to your black and blue. But no matter what you do, when you're basically telling life, no matter what you do, I'm going to stand back up. I'm going to stand back up. All right. I was looking to see if I could find who it's by, but it apparently this song is a few different people who sing it. It starts with an S. Um, the is name of the Sugarland? group. Sugarland? That's it. Yes, Sugarland. Yes. Okay, all right, cool. Yes, awesome. that was it. Awesome, awesome. All right, so how can we stay in touch with you? What are your social media handles? Oh my gosh, I have no clue. You, <laughs> you can find me um, on Facebook at Mind Path Therapies, 
D is in Deborah and L. Um, I think if you if you just type into social media Mind Path Therapies mm-hmm. or Deborah LeBlanc, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I also have an author website, uh, so you don't be surprised if that pops up. My books pop up. I have sixteen novels, um, but they can keep. My email address is Deborah at mindpaththerapies.com. If anybody just wants a shout out and say, hey, I heard you on Resilient Minds. And, um, and you know, I, I would, I'd like more information, whatever. Just to, or just say, hey, I'm in the boat. I hear you. I heard you. I'm with you. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Well, Deborah, you've been a definitely a pleasure to have as a guest on our show. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I wish you great success in every endeavor, and um, hopefully we'll get to meet again sometime. Awesome, awesome. And to all you resilient minds out there, until next time, please subscribe to us on all our platforms. And please don't forget to rate the show and leave a a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also, join the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonicrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life, on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. If you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show, or connect with Deborah's t- testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at OniCleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at Mind Path Therapies DL. Um, and remember Facebook, yeah. on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on all kinds of stuff. Um, and remember mental health is not a death sentence despite your illness you can thrive thrive and live a life of abundance until next time i'm cleone crawford and i'm signing off